Welcome, everybody, to the GBO podcast, where we're talking Gamecock basketball only. Brought to you by Modern Exterminator. We know what bugs you. As always, I'm Sumter. And I'm Bryce. And joining us this week, we have our friend Kyle from Chicken Hoops on Twitter, formerly from Garnet and Black Attack. Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm doing just fine, Sumter. Bryce, it's great to be here. The man, the myth, the legend. You know, we had, you know, um, TRC on the pod a few weeks ago. Now we have Chicken Hoops. I feel like we can retire, Sumter. We have all the people that care about Gamecock basketball already on the pod. Bryce, is is this all you wanted from the pod is just for like Buck from TRC and Kyle from Chicken Hoops? I just wanted I just wanted an interaction with these guys. Now I'm good. Bryce, we tailgated together a decade ago. A, a decade ago, we had a great time at a tailgate. And and you may or may not even know that he was, you know, from Garnet and Black Attack at the time. I was reading it, but not knowing that that was related until you told me. Anyways, guys, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, happy to be here. What's your uh, hide and wait? All right. Um, I, I, five, <laughs> that is only funny to one, to one Dan, listener. Dan Patrick. To, Come on, Dan Patrick. All right, man, that's how they do that anyway. All right. Um, Kyle, you had the the luck of – I don't know if to say the luck of the Irish about to play Notre Dame in a bowl game. You had the benefit of witnessing the two – men's basketball games this week in dc did you feel like you were the luckiest person in the world or uh, starting on wednesday did you want to jump off a cliff uh well i'll tell you man as a guy with two small kids uh, i did not feel lucky when they announced the nine o'clock tip-off because uh, south carolina basketball is so good right now that we cannot even get the primetime matchup on cbs sports network we're getting kicked to 9 p.m so uh yeah uh i was uh up late on a school night uh but not up that late because uh, I did not see all 40 minutes of that. And I don't think anyone else should have either. Did you beat traffic? Is that what you're saying? Oh, we, we beat, we, I, I, there was not a lot of traffic to the Smith center um, it, uh, on the beautiful campus in foggy bottom, but uh, we, we beat a significant number of people out of that door. Uh, but we, we were not the only, I, I saw Gamecocks. I knew uh, on the way out because uh, they were also bailing with 10 minutes to go in the second half. So, uh, George Washington, are they A-10, Atlantic uh, yep. 10? A-10, a- uh, much like the Big 12, not 10 teams, but A-10. And I'm assuming I'm assuming they are picked near the bottom, at least from the past seasons in the history. They've usually been on the bottom end. I don't know if, if you remember what they were. Uh, I don't remember where they were picked this year. I mean, the A-10 um, always has a couple of, like, actually good teams. Um, I'm trying to remember – yeah, VCU said this is the problem with realignment. Uh, is I, I could tell you everything about the A10 from like 2014, uh, but this time I, I've got to double check before I uh, go talk about teams that are no longer there. But yeah, I mean like VCU, Dayton, uh, Richmond, some years. I mean normally they got two or three teams, and then GW is normally the middle to the bottom. Um, I mean. Um, I thought they actually looked good. Uh, and so it wouldn't surprise me if they moved kind of the middle to maybe even upper middle, but like, this is not the class of the a 10 by any extent, certainly not historically and not even this year. And it has the fighting Frank Martin's Sumter's favorite coach from the past of the Gamecocks in the a 10 now. So there's only room oh. for so much winning in that conference, right? Sumter. <laughs> That's right. So, so about how good George, Washington was going into this at before tip off. They were, a, they had a Kim Palm rating that was uh, 200 something 
like right out it was like 213 or something like that not they're, good af, after their just after their performance on wednesday it bounced them up to about 194 is where they're sitting uh 289 they're back down to 194 because they lost to radford by 10 points today so so what you're saying is that uh is that we're potentially like a middle of the road to bottom half a 10 team is is uh is where uh is where the game packs are I mean, uh, the way we played on Wednesday night, buddy, we're not going to be in the middle of the road of the A-10, that's for sure. Kyle, uh, we, Kyle, we, we'd have a hill to climb. Kyle, Sumter, um, did you guys get a, a reminiscing of that game that kind of reminded you of the Coastal Carolina game in, in Conway last year that we just – they came out and took it to us and we had no fight in us from the start to finish? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I'm i always loath to ever say that um, – I, I have kind of an abiding belief that um, these guys put in just a ton of hours. Um, so I, I'm always pretty loath to ever say that the team doesn't have fight, but man, they didn't have whatever they needed to have to, to play with the guys from George Washington on Wednesday night. Uh, I mean, and give GW some credit there. I mean, GW came up amped up. Um, you know, they don't get an SEC team in that building very often and they were absolutely ready to throw a punch and we were absolutely not ready to take it. And by the time, I don't know that we ever really got our feet under us, I guess. Uh, well, you know, it looks like we only lost the second half by four. So I guess maybe at halftime we, uh, we got our feet under us. But, I mean, that, that's how big a body blow they landed in the first half. Uh, we, we never got settled for the first 20 minutes, and it made the second 20 minutes an absolute afterthought. In the second half, we went on a 10-0 run. I was like, oh, we're back in it, and we're only down 20. <laughs> God. I think there was a small um, run that we had, but outside of that, they took it to us and they looked like, I mean, their power forward and center looked like they were all Americans. Or was that, or was that just to get against our um, big guys down low? A little bit. I mean, I thought uh, James Bishop looked really good um, and he was uh, an outside guard. Um, only went uh, three from 11, it looks like on the inside, but five from eight from three and just he was causing problems all night uh, with eight assists. Uh, but I, I don't know that James Bishop is really that good. He was definitely that good Wednesday night though. Um, and I, I, our defense just looked completely out of sorts for 20 minutes. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know with certainty what the scheme is. Um, it strikes me as something where we're just not communicating on the switches, but whatever it is, it's, it's too complicated for the guys we have on the floor um, or, they're not able to execute it. And it, if you're giving up that many easy buckets to George Washington, it, it's just not going to get better. I mean, that's, that's the type of thing where we are just bleeding easy points on, on one end and we don't have the offense to make it up on the other end. And we don't have the defense. that's good enough to survive it for the rest of the game. Uh, it just, just a very dispiriting performance, um, which I, I, I'm not telling anyone here anything they don't know. Uh, it, it it didn't look that much different in person than it looked on TV. It looked awful. Yeah, and and I think like to go back to your question, Bryce, about comparing this to uh, twenty, the, like the twenty twenty one twenty two game against Coastal, where Coastal killed us in Conway. Um, this is this is what you're asking for when you go on the road like this to a mid major. Is that they're giving you their absolute best game. It's coming. They, they've been looking at this all day. It's an SEC team coming in. Regardless if we are an SEC basketball team or not, that's how they see it. 
and they're giving us our best game. And we just, we just didn't have it. We just, we couldn't match it. Not even close, you know. I was worried after they, you know, Lamont called the second, you know, stop the bleeding timeout and it didn't stop the bleeding. You know, when you have one of those that you, oh, we'll get back into it. And then we had to call another one three possessions later because everything they were throwing up, there were some shots that weren't even looked like they knew that like it was lined up and it was just falling, like clang, clang, clang off the backboard. And then I was just like, it was their night. And then we just didn't get out of the funk, but I don't know if it was the team. Did they come out? It was just a long flight. What's the flight from Columbia to DC? Is that a hour and a half flight? Se- 75 minutes, maybe. I mean, it's 75 just not, minutes. It's, they, so they uh, they're going to have a long flight to college station this year. If, if, if a 75 minute flight's putting this team under, we're, we're in deep trouble. I, I don't know if uh, they like isn't that uh, narrow a geography anymore. Well, I don't know if they were jet lagged. It just, we didn't come out. And I don't know. I just, I've, I, I've seen so far early on in this season. If we get down by 10 plus points and we don't go in on an immediate run to get back into it, we usually can't get back to a competitive game so far this season. Now, Georgetown, the following game, we got down around that 10 or 11, but then we didn't let it get bigger. We kind of closed the gap. So once I've seen games go more than 10 or 11, you're kind of like, this is our breaking point. So, uh, Bryce, actually, I'll say one thing that actually differs for me. on Wednesday night, then uh, you were talking about coastal from last year. And uh, I mean, uh, we need not go back through the litany of, of coastal adjacent games over the last decade, but it just wasn't that big a surprise. Right. Um, I mean, if you look at this team, we're a whisker away from one and seven. Uh, we, you know, narrowly got through SC state and that was brutal. You, you, you prayed that that was somehow a one-off or that we were going to look up and SEC state, SEC state would be the, uh, the, the Kings of the MEAC. They are not going to be, um, you know, figured it out against Clemson, but that's a two pointer. Um, and there's one other one in there. I forgot, but where, I mean, we were down at halftime to upstate. We were yeah. down at halftime to upstate. I, I, I had forgotten that actually. Um, but you know, and then um, obviously we're about to talk about Georgetown, but yeah, we're a hair away from one and seven. How far are we from five and three? <laughs> What uh, Davidson? But uh, like, it, it didn't really feel like Davidson was a nine-point game. Uh, we kind of no, it was sixteen there. for most. Yeah. Uh, so that that to me is the difference. Is this team is is the type of team that could walk in like something saying walk into a mid-major, and I, I kind of hate to say I expected it, but I can't say I was surprised to watch it happen. Um, they're the type of team that's gotten rolled. Uh, they got rolled in Charleston by. I mean, depending on what you think about Colorado State, three mid-majors. So. Yeah, um, and it was there. It, it was also, I think, to give them a little bit of credit, their first time on the road um, this year. Uh, you know, they played three in Charleston, but you're really not getting a, a boisterous Davidson crowd down there. So, uh, yeah, uh, a, a tough first away game, but that's the kind of the thing about going away, man. Like there aren't a whole lot of easy ones, um, and definitely not uh, not in the the environment that is the Smith Center. Yeah, and it's not going to get easier on the road in the SEC. That's for sure. Well, let's forget and let's say no, let's don't, no more talking for the rest of the season on George Washington game. I, I hope they just, you know, burn the film of that one. But that led us into a few days later, later a second game in the D.C. metro area of Georgetown. And this is not the Georgetown of old, I'm assuming. Uh, Patrick Ewing might be the coach, but uh, the John Thompson teams uh, weren't gracing us with their presence on this year's Georgetown team. What were your thoughts on 
um, that team we played up there in D.C., Kyle. Uh, well, Georgetown had a big, uh, big win earlier this year uh, when they beat Coppin State by 10 in overtime. And that was their first win in 11 months. Uh, Miak, the Miak Coppin State? Miak? Uh, that, that very Coppin State. Uh, they went from, they beat Howard, uh, who was also a Miak team, and then uh, lost their last, let me count, 20 games of last year uh, before getting another Miak win. Uh, but then, they beat uh, Green Bay in the next week, so they got a Horizon League win. Um, and now they've gotten uh, LaSalle and UMBC. So, uh, yeah, it, it is safe to say that this is not the Georgetown that your dad might remember um, from 1984 with John Thompson and uh, Patrick Ewing in, in a different role. Well, um, I believe Georgetown made the tournament. Like, they won the Big East tournament two years ago. I think it was the COVID, the year season That's after exactly COVID. Right. So they made the tourney, but then last year we kind of saw that in Columbia when we played them, even though they had what Tracy McGrady and the Kimbe Matumbo's son, they weren't, it was kind of like a bunch of athletes that couldn't score was the guys I kind of noticed last year. And then this year um, I saw they had Murray, the um, LSU transfer that we beat in Columbia. I recognized him. And then the other guard they had, they had, you know, two guards that were pretty good, but the big men they had were kind of this, athletes athletic guys that maybe wasn't um they could have been compared to uh some lakeen jacksons out there what would you compare their big men from saturday um i i would have thought lakeen jackson actually had a little more uh i thought of him as more talented than athletic uh maybe i'm misremembering lakeen but um not a free throw not 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 a lot going on offensively in the post, really on either side, with obviously the exception of Gigi Jackson, uh, particularly in the second half when when he get, really got rolling. The thing that actually reminded me the most of um, looking at Georgetown was they reminded me a lot of us. Um, you know, uh, a program in a major conference didn't look very – I mean, we Gigi Jackson was kind of the difference. I mean, there was one – one guy on the floor you were really taking note of, and the other nine guys are, are running around in jerseys of major conference teams, but it didn't look a whole lot like major conference basketball. Um, also, like us, man, I didn't realize this till I was pulling it up right now. They had four guys play over 40 minutes. Four guys. Like, they – that's that's Not a incredible. deep bench. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, but, you know, you look at ours, we really played, what, one, two, three, four, five, Seven guys uh, and Seven. Ford Cooper got 16 minutes and that's, and that's a lot of minutes for Ford Cooper. Uh, Walk that's on. a lot of minutes for Ford Cooper. Well, um, our boy Frank Martin would have enjoyed those walk-on minutes. I, 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 oh, he'd have played him. He, he'd have played him 30, you know, like, like he, he there's no, he, him and Jacoby Wright would have been inverted there, you know, <laughs> see, I, one shot in 16 minutes. Uh, he missed it. Got, got a defensive rebound and a steal. Uh, and a foul, but just man, this is one of the emptiest box scores I think I've looked at in a long time. Sixteen minutes, and, and he was on the floor. But so, uh, yeah, so yeah, I think I think like the way to look at this game and almost kind of like the whole week in DC is that it's a tale of like halves. In that we played three really atrocious halves of basketball, and then the second half of this Georgetown game, one thing happened that Bryce and I at least have kind of been talking about the past couple of weeks that needs to happen is that Gigi Jackson played his best half of, you know, basketball potentially that we've seen from him this season. 
And and that's and that ultimately I think is the difference. But before getting into that, at half it was 37-26 Georgetown, and Gigi had zero points. If I would have told you guys that we would have scored 26 points in the first half and none would have been of Gigi, would you have believed that? Yeah, I, I would have believed that, that was possible. I mean, 26 isn't a ton, you, you know, for, for a for a half. And uh, and Michi looked a little better. He looked like he was a little healthier in this game, you, you know, and and his shot was going in a little bit more uh, than it was at GW or down or down at the coast when his ankle was was bothering him a lot. But Michi was shooting threes. How do you guard someone that's shooting 35 footers? Is that guardable? Just let, let him shoot it, and if he makes four of them, and if he makes four out of ten, he makes four out of I out mean, of ten. But one he's not going to sh- do that all night. One of his shots was about 38 feet. I mean, there was one that was like the, the defender didn't even jump. I was like, what are you doing? I, and, like, imagine Frank Martin. If Michi would have shot that with Frank as the coach, it would have been a very bad scene on the court. It would have been like, like – go ahead. I like something saying that, um, you know, if he makes four out of ten, he's not going to do that all night. I, I assume you're looking – he did it all night. He went four out of ten. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I meant to say he's not going to do that every day. And so you just got to like, you got to make him make four out of 10 is basically what I'm saying. And if he does that, then, you know, you might lose an overtime. Like, <laughs> I know, but this game, the first half, I mean, it was Michi and Hayden Brown. I felt like he had his first kind of solid, full overall game. What do you guys think about Hayden? He actually, I mean, I thought he finished really well and kind of, did well at the four spot, which he's been playing all year, which is a very undersized at six five. Yeah, I mean, he looked night and day from how he looked against short GW, where I, I, I just didn't see a lot of anything from Aiden Brown. I really wanted to comment on, but no, uh, I mean, um, again, I kind of to some point, I, I don't know that Aiden Brown's going to go three of five very many nights, but he went three of five that night, uh, and that's the night where we needed every one of those points. But yeah, worked a little inside eight boards. Um, Five fouls, which, again, is a problem when you're only playing six guys. Um, but, um, you know, um, everyone looked pretty good. Uh, Chico Carter probably had one of his worst games of the year. Um, I think, actually, you talk about if if I saw that, if, I, if you told me that Gigi doesn't score in the first half, what do I think we're going to do? I think we're going to lose. If you tell me Chico plays, if you tell me Chico has seven points, that's actually when I would have been like, oh, we're not getting out of there with a win. Not a chance. Um at the GW game, the guy behind me just kept yelling, "You got it's just got to be nothing but Chico right now." And I, I wanted to turn around and say that's insane, but I was also like, "Yeah, that's probably right right now. That really is probably where we are. It's it's that's that's this team. If Chico Carter isn't going off, we're in big big trouble." I mean, looking or, at this team's offense, Sumter, do you feel like it's a kind of one on one? I'm going to shoot a three, or I might get a pick, and I'm going to force a three at the end. What do you like? What do you think our offense is after these couple games? Well, so we don't. We really don't have an off offensive identity, and uh, you know, it's a lot of guys that haven't been playing together for a while. At some point, we have to stop saying this. You, you know, like they've now been playing together for a, a handful of games here, and it's still the same. Um, in in fact, it's at times gotten worse. But we really haven't had much of an offensive identity. However. Like one of the things that I think happened here is that what we need to be like, we need Gigi to decide to be our best player is, is what this team needs offensively. That's just, 
Like, however that, however that is in the offense, whether he's shooting threes, whether he's getting, you know, working down low against the, against somebody, whatever he wants to be doing, we need, he's the most talented basketball player on this roster. And he needs to start trying to take over games exactly like he did in this game where he has 22 points in the second half. And, um, and that, I mean, that's the reason that we're not having, you know, a catatonic podcast right now. Like we're just like, we get rolled by 40 total points in DC this weekend is because Gigi decided in the second half that, you, you know, he, he just, he just started scoring and that's what we're going to need through. He just needs to get better and better. Like he, the, like he looked like the best player on the court in that second half. And, and he should be. I mean, he's like, he like is. He's number yeah, like <laughs> like he is. And and this team's ceiling is Gigi's ceiling. Like Gigi's ceiling is this team's ceiling. Whatever, whatever Gigi wants to be and wherever he wants to go is where this team can can get to. And if that is if, if he can average 30 points in the SEC, then we can we can put together a reasonable, you know, a non-horrific, you know, SEC run. But like that—that's that's this team's offensive identity is Gigi and some some role players. Some of them are pretty good role players, but it's Gigi and some role players, you know. Well, well, Kyle, I don't think how many um, pods you've listened to, but I think I've said this twenty times. If if Hayden, Michi, and Gigi get fifteen plus points, we have a chance to win any game. So I think it's Chico. Like I, I think I think I agree with you, except I think it's Chico and not Hayden. Um, okay. I mean, when, we're, when we were sort of talking about how you want this team to look, offensive identity. To me, if Bozeman's Redonk is doing a lot on offense, it's going to be a bad bad night, um, and that's fine. That that's not on him. Um, but you know, I always kind of think of uh, kind of like a slider on a video game, right? Like if you're setting your attributes. Everyone starts at kind of 20% of possessions, slide him on down to 12 or 13. Who's eating that up, right? And Hayden, I mean, even Hayden at 20 might be a little high, but Michi, Gigi, Chico, they got to be 23, 24, and they got to be doing that in the rhythm of the offense. And if the offense isn't built to look that way, or if they're not trying, if it's not looking that way, then something's wrong. And that's either in the design or the implementation. Uh, and so I think you're right. That something that I saw, um, if not in the design, but certainly in the implementation was in the second half, Gigi Jackson decided we might lose today, but we're not going to lose because I didn't get the shots up. Um, and that's, that's exactly right. That's how it's got to look. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and uh, slag on Chico Carter for not having his best game, but even there, you know, Chico's in the offense, he's involved. Um, not, none of those three guys can ever really have a night where they disappear. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe um, there are some nights, Hayden Brown steps in and he's the third guy, but three of those four guys are going to have to have big nights. Maybe sometimes it's going to have to be four or four on the offensive end for us to ever see really any points up there that are enough points on that side. that are going to mitigate against what's ever happened on the other side of the court. Well, were you guys surprised that Ford Cooper got so many minutes in that second half? I thought they were just using him for a few minutes, like a breather, but he played the majority over Chico I guess Chico down the stretch. Chico didn't come in until the very end. Well, I think it was just because Chico was struggling so much. You, you know, like like he, he he didn't play his best game. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, Jacoby Wright played a really good game. And it's still, like, as far – other than Gigi Jackson, you know, the surprise of, like, the blossom of this season 
is is Jacoby Wright's development. He is better than I thought he was going to be. He's playing um, above average. I mean, he's playing a lot better than his freshman year for sure. I his mean, defense if, is very good. If at the start of this season I told you we were going to need 32 minutes of Jacoby Wright on the floor to beat Georgetown, would you have believed me? I wouldn't. You know, and so, like, um, and so I, I, I'm not surprised. What, somebody's got to play. You know, like somebody – like if, if one of our guys doesn't have it, then we've got to play somebody, you, you, you know, who – like Fort Cooper. And, uh, you know, we basically got six guys. We've got, we've got Gigi, Hayden, Chico, Michi, um, and Bozeman for Don. We've got the starting five. And then we've got Jacoby Wright coming off the bench. And that's, and that's the six man roster. And like, that's, that's it. That's what we got. You, you know, like maybe we put in, I might've liked to see Zach Davis for, for a little bit there, but just, or, or, or Sanford Hankins, you know, what, what, what do we have? Four minutes, of Josh Gray in this game. Like he's either has a game where he's invested and he's doing well, or he gets a couple fouls early and he's, uh, you know, not, not in the game at all. He played not that bad against GW. I mean, that's kind of damning with faint praise and hell he picked up four fouls in 15 minutes, but yeah, I was really surprised by, the, the absence of Josh Gray, and then for a while there, although, I mean, man, Chico still played 33 minutes. Um, uh, the, the 60 minutes of forward Cooper surprised me a lot. Um, I was wondering if either Jacoby or Chico had gotten hurt. You know, I'm in the arena, so I wasn't quite as uh, up to speed with what was going on. But, I mean, the one thing that's something, you're sitting there laying off the names, but it, it kind of it raised the question I couldn't answer, which is sort of, uh, you know, this is kind of the point, which is I didn't really have a name of why isn't this guy in there. I was like, yeah, if if those two guys aren't in there, you got to put five on the court. And then yeah. where was where was Daniel Hankins Sanford? He wasn't. I didn't see him on the bench or play those last two games. Did you? And did he, I didn't see on Twitter it was mentioned. I didn't see like, anything it, about this. It's like um, he didn't even travel with the team this week. Because I, 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 I haven't seen a single thing about that. But you're right. Uh, I was. I was allowing for the fact he may have played in the last ten minutes of uh, the George Washington game that. Uh, I did not bear witness to, uh, but yeah, uh, DNPs for both of them. I have no idea, but kind of, kind of again to the point here, we, we don't have a roster to be, we, we can't afford even kind of a, a secondary guy like that because even when we need those eight to 10 minutes, there's just nowhere else to turn. Well, Hal, I wanted to get your thoughts on Benjamin Bozeman's Verdunk, AKA BBV. Um, what are your thoughts on this guy? I kind of compared him to a more muscular Michael Carrera. What do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Um, I I would think of him as uh, I am trying to. Uh, yeah, who was our last guy? Our last big man that was really allergic to shooting. There, there's a name. I'm just. It's gonna. Um, Kotsar. Kotsar. Uh, it's exactly like early Kotsar. Yeah. Uh, is is who I'm thinking of more. Um, yes. Where, you know, yes. This is there. much. It's a much better comparison. If Michael, uh, if freshman Michael Carrero was on this basketball team, this basketball team would be a lot better. Like a lot better. If freshman Mike Kotsar was on this basketball team, this basketball team would be about the same. I, I think that's exactly like Kotsar was perfectly, and that actually, that I think that's what I was trying to describe earlier. Is I was trying to say, how do we have the 2017 basketball team where notice? Thornwell, 
and Dozier are sitting there. They're eating up the possessions. They don't need a fifth guy that needs the ball. They need a fifth guy that's doing what my eight coats are and what a BBV is going to bring to the table. Um, whereas with this roster, they're failing him as much as he's failing it. Um, it it's just this is not an assemblage of talent that makes sense for him to be playing around, um, or at least not the way it's currently being utilized, or again, it's utilizing itself. You know, I, I, I agree with you guys. I haven't seen a scheme that I can really go up. Oh, I, I really understand what we're trying to do here. I see, I see parts of it. I haven't really seen a, a cohesive whole, so I don't want to necessarily say, well, it's the players. Well, it's the coaches. It's, it's certainly some of both, uh, but what, whatever's, leading to this sort of output uh he's not really this isn't the best serving what he brings to the table um also i I think coats are probably had a little better touch around the rim um and that might be a little recency bias but man it just it just felt like every single bunny he had on wednesday night he just could not get the fall well what hurt my feelings was he was under the basket i don't know if he knew where he was and he could just went up and dunked it he was like almost under the basket and he passed it out i'm like dunk the ball put it back up like him and Josh Gray. I feel like coming off the bus, they scare you and they go, man, that guy's big. But when they get in the game, they just, the offensiveness, I mean, that's the word offensive offensiveness around the basket, knowing where you are just to put it up under one foot is not there. One of six with three points on Wednesday night. Woof. Um, six boards. Uh, and like I said, I think he- his defense is decent and he gets rebounds. That's just on offense is where the struggle is. He, he is not the problem, though. I think, like, like he is not necessarily the problem. The problem is, is, like, he was not brought in here to get us 15 or 16 or 17 points a game. Right. And so, like, he was brought in here to just be a, a body down low that we, can, that we can count on to play some D, get a rebound, put it back in, maybe make a, you know, set a screen and roll to the basket. But, like, he, he – I don't think he is the issue with this team. The issue with this team is that – we just we need another score, you, you know. Like we need another. Like we got we've got six guys that we can trust. And unlike, and that was kind of the case with the 2017 team when we were talking about having freshman Cozart starting on that team. The difference is is that of the guys that we can trust, you know, we don't have Thornwell, we don't have Notice, we don't have Dozier, we don't have Silva, and we don't have Justin Mackey. You know, like like they're not on this team. Um, Hayden Brown could have potentially been one of these guys. Gigi could could get to this level, but just they're just not those guys. And you know, and they're also not as experienced and haven't been playing together for four years like those guys. And they haven't had a coach scream at them like those guys oh. did. But that could you be guys a want, You guys want to do a really scary thought experiment for just a second? What's that? What if someone gets hurt? Which it depends who. Who's going to get does her? it? I, does it? Well, if well, we lose Kyle, one of the six, we'll, I don't think it's a thought experiment. I think we have the blueprint for that. Like, like, like what happened in Charleston was what if someone gets hurt? We're and losing we had no guards. We had no scholarship guards healthy at the moment. <laughs> you know, both, both Chico at some point, and I forget what game it is now, but Chico hurt his ankle at the end in, of Furman. At, at the end of Furman. Chico hurt his ankle in the Furman game, and Michi was on a bad ankle for the whole for, for that whole game, for that whole weekend. Didn't play against Davidson, is that right? Right. right. And um, and so I, you know we we lost those Charleston games by an aggregate 
by a combined total of 60 points. And it wasn't against great teams. You know, I don't want to take anything away from the three teams we played. They played a lot better basketball than we did. But it wasn't like we were playing Kentucky, Tennessee, and Alabama. You know, I, yeah, I think that's, that's no, that's that, that's the answer. And uh, but yeah, if so, if someone misses four weeks, this team. Oh, oh, it's so. it's it's it, it's getting very bleak. Like it's already a little bleak. You, you know, it's it's I I don't even know how to define where we are from the standpoint of bleak. But uh, but so let's take a real quick look. We got five more games before the SEC schedule starts. Okay, we're home. We're home with, against Presbyterian. We're home against East Carolina. We're home against Western Kentucky. We're home against Eastern Michigan. And then we've also got one more of these games where we are on the road at UAB. And East Carolina is a mutual site in Greenville at the Bon Shakur. Right. right. And so, like you know, I'm, I'm like four and one here. I think is is at this point the best case scenario, right? Like. I, I, I just don't see it. Well, well, so we're yeah. going to lose to UAB. The UAB UAB is going to. I will They're be gonna... surprised if we go into Birmingham and beat UAB. I'll, I'll put it that way. Do you think we drop one of the other four, Bryce? East Carolina is going to be interesting. Any, I mean, any like power. I guess East Carolina is not Power Five. Um, I'm just worried about any school that's not in-state school that we play. Like, you should be able to beat Presbyterian. Um, I don't know. I'm just worried about games. If we don't have a good shooting night early on and we get down early, I'm worried about any of the, anyone we play. So I, I go ahead. Western Kentucky is seven and one and they beat South Carolina state by 26. So that's a good comparison. And I guess we played them. What in that Asheville tournament, classic, whatever championship, um, last year. And okay. What is it? Rick Stansberry, the former Mississippi state coach is the coach there and they're good. I mean, we, like for that game, but between Western Kentucky and UAB, we'd have to have a really good shooting day, first and second half, to have a chance in those games. But outside of those, at worst, you need to be three and two out of these Western, next five. Western Kentucky's currently one eleven on Kimpom, and I'm just getting worried. Like it, it. That's basically where this this team is gone. Is that? That's now like bothering me. Like, can we beat a? Can, we're one fifty eight. Can and we so, beat anyone uh, in the top one fifty? Yeah, like like that. A one fifty Ken Palm team is uh, is is going to make me worry when we're playing them at home. Uh, Bryce, the answer is yes, Clemson. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one thing that's going to be wonderful about this season, one silver lining is, is that as bad as we get, we won that Clemson game. <laughs> Like, like it doesn't matter. Like, like once it gets real, like if it gets really bad this year, which it could get really, really bad. Like we could be looking at them at a uh, Mark at a Tom Crean, Georgia team, you, you know, here, like, like really bad. We mean uh, a Kevin, Kevin Stallings pit team. Is that uh, that bad? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I could this team win a game in the ACC. I don't know if that's true. You know, <laughs> well, as we're playing right now, and I'm being honest, we're playing Vandy twice and Georgia twice. I've seen them play. I am hoping that we can win those four games. Outside of that, there's no one on paper right now, how we're playing now, that I think we can beat unless we get extremely better in the next so couple here, weeks. Here is the other thing to, to look at, though, about this, is that, like, last year, 
when we were trying to put together an NIT resume, right? The, the bubble, um, bubble, 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 yeah. bubble run. But, but when we were trying to put together a resume of how do we get to the NIT, and we marked on that, and we marked on that schedule, um, Vandy and the like, like we have, we have these must win games where we have to win these games. Every team in the SEC, every, you know, Vanderbilt basketball only podcast out there has us as we cannot lose to South Carolina this year. Like we are on like, like every team, but I'm serious. Like, like they're looking at our out of conference season this year and just being like, well, South Carolina's a W. We cannot go into Columbia and drop that game. Are you saying that coaches are going to get fired if they lose to us kind of thing? Potentially, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, Stackhouse I'm just, is probably in trouble, yeah. 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 Well, Stackhouse, I feel like – could Stackhouse from Vandy, could he come out there and beat a lot of these guys? Is he better in his 40s than some of the players that he's coaching? I, I'll tell you what. I would rather Jerry Stackhouse at 40 coming off the bench than, than – than you know for, for the game packs like like I don't want to call a player out or anything but right. just like in the GW game Jerry Stackhouse at forty he might have been able to he might have been able to do some things he could have stopped up some minutes for sure yeah <laughs> well I did want to bring up before we switch over to the women the modern exterminating we know what bugs you bugging us this week and Kyle we have to do it right Kyle, now Kyle you uh you called it out on Twitter um. What but was bugging me this week was free throws and it almost cost us the game against Georgia. So Town, so hang sure. on, we have to we have to clarify here. What is bugging us because because sometimes we loop them and we lump them in together. What is bugging us this week is the men's basketball team's free throw performance. <laughs> and with a little sprinkle of the women's, but every now and then the women struggle with the free throws, but the men's performance after when Michi got up there, we're up what? We're up one, two. No, we're up one. We're up one. Michi gets fouled. We're shooting one and one, and he misses the front end. Georgetown goes down and scores. They get up one, and that's when we throw that you know, full-court pass to Hayden, and it goes out of bounds, but they review it and call the intentional foul. And then Hayden gets up to the line, barely makes the first, and then the second one clings it. What are you guys thinking at that time? I'm just thinking I'm glad he made the first one, like, because we could absolutely be doing this pod where we lost both of these games because Hayden Brown missed both of those free throws. I'm thinking that intentional foul call is one of the just most rabbit ear things that's going to happen to this team all year. Just an absolute cannot believe it. Like, can't believe it happened. Can't believe it got whistled. Um, I didn't know you could review that. I didn't know that was a reviewable play. The announcers (laughs) were even confused talking about it. I mean, that's sort of, I, you know, again, I'm in the arena and um, for whatever reason, um, every arena that you're in now is deeply committed to making you wish you'd been watching it on TV instead. So, you know, we're not looking at a replay. We're just looking at the Georgetown logo doing like a spinny thing over and over <laughs> again. And then three minutes later, you see someone shooting free throws with no one on the line. You're like, oh, I'm so glad I paid money to be here instead of just watching it on television. Uh, so but I, in Georgetown's defense here, had this been inverted, you know, had we been up one and this play happened to them, you might have seen the replay on the Jumbotron at Georgetown. You know, like like you might have been 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 able to watch this. They might have wanted to get the crowd booing, you know, and and, and and entice the referees. You sound like the Clemson replay official at the Clemson Carolina football game. That's how that was. They didn't show any replay that was any benefit to Carolina 
football. Anyway, had to bring that up, even though it's a basketball pod. Um, that was relevant. Replays being shown, not shown. But uh, some, when going into that overtime game after those missed free throws, I mean, Georgetown had all the all the momentum, and somehow we pulled it off. I'm still a little shocked that we won the game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, again, coming off Wednesday and then the first half, um, it, it, I mean, really, when you think about momentum, was after the first half, I was like, well, this is uh, th- this is going to just be a very, very dark next three months. I, I don't know that it's not going to be, but um, it, yeah, it, it was nice. Uh, it's nice to get one. Um, God, I'm just now seeing Georgetown went three from 18 from three. We, we should not have won that game. I know. It's wild. So – and, and Kyle, I think this goes back to what you were saying uh, uh, earlier and about your rabbit ear comment about how, like, how far away are we from, from one and seven? I mean, we've had two unbelievably fortunate things happen to us down the stretch of these games. And we've won both, you know, the Chico Carter buzzer beater against Clemson. Like, I did not think it was going in. Once, once he got, once he didn't go to the rim and once he, once he like had to turn around, I didn't think that was going in. And and then this call. Well, you, you mean know, the Michi three pointer from thirty five foot? We need to talk about that yeah. going in too. I mean, yeah, yeah, but but just like like these two rabbit ear things at the end of the games. In eight games, we've potentially gotten as lucky as you can get, and it, and we're only four and four. Uh, I, I know it's always funny to hear people just read numbers off Ken Palm, but yeah, we're the twelfth luckiest team in America. We're four and four. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, luck basically being like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's basically yeah, how often you win close, how often you lose close. But yeah, I mean, we played three close games with three and oh, uh, that's that's pretty fortunate. So we just need to get into close games every game. Does that sound good? I, I, if we can make it a repeatable skill, sure. Well, switching to the women, that's something that they're never almost almost never in a close game. And that's the Gamecock women. Um, the UCLA game on Tuesdays. Um, I was in shock in that first half. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that Stanford game last year in Columbia. And I guess Stanford at Stanford this year, yeah, that it, just getting kind of th- thrown to the wolves early on and having to come back. I think, I think it was much more like the Stanford game this year than the Stanford game last year. Uh, I, I forget the, the third quarter of the Stanford game last year was so amazing that I've blocked out some of the first half. Wasn't Boston in foul trouble in the first half? Of the had Stanford two fouls early. Year. Yep. Yeah, and, and see, like this game, this was not a foul trouble game. UCLA, like UCLA, put out the blueprint on how to beat us in the first half of this game, and that is double team Boston and make this team find an offensive identity. And see, we don't have Destiny Henderson, who anytime that happened last season, when a team really, really aggravated Boston. Could, would just take over the game. And, uh, you know, in the first half, you know, offensively, we, we, we were nowhere. We, we were I mean, all like, they had a 2-3 zone. They lowered it six feet to where anytime we threw it in the lane, there was a triple team on Boston. They yeah. made us shoot anything outside of 12 feet. And early on, we couldn't make, you know, do it. We didn't score no, until. No, no, no. It, incorrect, Bryce. All night, we couldn't do it. We well, decided- Fletcher from the transfer from Georgia Tech got about three 12-footers in that second half. That is true. That is true. But Cook made her her first shot of the game was a three pointer, and it made it five to two. It was two to two. She hit a three pointer to make it five to two. And I think it was in the first minute or two of the game 
and we do not hit another one all night. And we've never been a big three-point team. You know, I guess this year we've had a few games we hit some, but overall our identity is not a three-point shoot team. It's we got big girls, we're going to go inside, and we're going to score, 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 score in the paint. And and the and and that first half that UCLA played, I mean, the blueprint on how to beat this women's team is is uh, you know make them shoot threes and beat you. And you know that's actually they made us shoot threes, and we did not beat them shooting threes, but we did figure out a way to beat them. And it's a it's a testament to how just how just strong and well coached and great a basketball team this women's team is. Well, Dawn, you know, you think that, you know, if one thing's not working, we're screwed. But, Kyle, did you kind of see, like, I I don't know if you saw this, that Cardosa gets thrown in there and she just all of a sudden figures out how to take over a game. And she's always been the girl off the bench that only played a few minutes. But now the last two games, she has been dominant in the game. It's it's just the opposite of the men, right? I mean, you something ain't working for, for the women. We've got a lot of stuff we can try, right? Uh, Cook, uh, I mean, made the first three, and like uh, she goes four for nineteen the rest of the night. Uh, I mean, not her best game. Um, but yeah, we got Fletcher's going to step up, right, and, and have one of the better games I've seen her play. Cardozo is going to have the best game I've seen her play. Boston on a night where you're like, man, they kind of shut down Boston. Eighteen points, ten boards. Uh, <laughs> you know, like. This is sort of this is the scale you're grading this team against. Uh, you're grading them against a team that could go undefeated. You're grading them against two former national champions. Uh, and you know, like I, I, I think you're right that UCLA kind of showed the blueprint on defense a little bit. I mean, frankly, something UCLA did that I don't know anyone else is going to do is they grabbed 17 offensive rebounds. And I even now cannot believe. They grabbed 17 offensive rebounds, but this team's got a whole lot of ways to beat you and you just don't have that many ways to beat them. And that's a really simple way to say it, but it, it just keeps playing itself out over and over again. I was waiting for them to get tired. Cause you know, when we play even ranked teams, they get tired eventually against our, cause we have a very, very deep bench where we're playing, you know, nine, 10, 11 players. They didn't get tired until the last five minutes of that fourth quarter. Yeah. That's when they started doing dumb things. UCLA did. They 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 broke. They couldn't make it all forty minutes. If they had been able, they they almost made it all forty minutes and beat us. Um, there's there's a stat. Uh, I want to say I'm, I'm not looking at it right now, but like we had like fifteen block shots. Oh, there were a lot of blocks. It's like they knowingly would go up there just to get blocked in the lane. And yeah, it's fifteen. Uh, and, and, and just like fifteen block shots. And one what this team does. And this is, and, and Kyle, I'm going to actually read something you tweeted the Tuesday night where like my overly simplistic view of the women this year is that every opponent is going to face a seven minute stretch, where they basically cannot score and they can't overcome that. I haven't watched every game, but it just feels that that's how they win. And man, it's a fine recipe. And that was how they won Tuesday night. Like I cannot point to a thing they did great Tuesday night. I can't point to a thing that they necessarily did well, except they stayed and brought 100% intensity every single possession. And every time it looked like UCLA was going to really pull away, they got a big steal, they got a big black shot, they got a big, they got a big offensive rebound, and they just did not allow this team to pull away from them and beat them. 
even though this team had it on Tuesday and they didn't. Yeah, I, I, I don't have, I don't know if there is like a Ken Palm for women's. I don't have it up, um, but I don't know where this team ranks on offense. You know, maybe they're 10th, 12th, 20th. You could tell me whatever number you want. They, they got to be first in defense and just by, and because that's it. You know, we did it to Maryland. In Maryland, it was the third quarter. Just seven minutes of what must feel like just banging your head against the wall. And so, Sumter, you say, what did this team do great? They UCLA went 21 for 65 from the field. 20, 32% if you're not a math teacher. It just must feel awful to try to score against them for 40 minutes. And they got 64 points, which is pretty impressive, honestly. Well, well you can say this. Think it about wasn't this. enough. Outside of the th- – we've played three ranked teams in Maryland, UCLA, and Stanford. Outside of that, no one scored more than 56, 55 points on the women outside of those three games. I'm Defense kind of is good. someone else put up 55. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, if you I had mean, made us guess this, if you had made us guess this, we both would have guessed something in the fourth. And Memphis, who we played yesterday, they had 54. That was the most outside of the ranked teams. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting that, I mean, if we're not playing a ranked team, they're probably not going to score more than the mid-50s. But, but, but kind of the difference between this team and last year's team is that, is that I think this year's team defensively – I mean, I don't want to take anything away from, you know, the defending national champs here. But, like, this year's team I think is more punishing defensively. They're just even more intense than last year's team was. However, they have – they don't have – this year's team doesn't have Destiny Henderson. And so, like, the Stanford game last year, when Stanford almost beat us at home, like, we came out in the third quarter, and Destiny Henderson just said, I got this. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she had, you know. And, uh, and, we, and we, we come back by playing intense defense, and, and she carried us in, in that quarter. In this game, it was like a slow grind in that entire second half to come back. Like uh, it, at, at about the four minute mark of the, of the third quarter to the four minute mark of the fourth quarter, we held them to eight points total. I mean, that's a quarter of basketball where they just, where it's just like, okay, and this now you, you're just going to not score. Like, like just, just good luck. You've been doing it. And we're just going to like, you, you have to run your best offensive set against us on every play. And you're just, and at some point, you're just going to stop running it. You, to beat these, this team, you have to play your perfect game. You have to play your perfect off, at least your perfect offensive game. Would you say this year that the us. women are more balanced overall from every player playing pretty well that they're playing, they're playing on the court, that the, you know, the top seven or eight? Because if you look at scoring, we range, you know, Cook and Boston are at 13 and 12. Everyone else is like seven to eight, nine points. I feel like this team is really balanced, even though Boston is your star. Cook is your upcoming star behind her and the F. Cardosa on the way up. You have everyone else is just overall solid. Yeah, that's what scares me is the offense. Like, there, you know, Bryce, I'll borrow from you. You know, if you need three people, who are you three going to be on a night where the defense isn't going? But that's the thing. There just isn't a night where the defense isn't going. Yeah. Uh, always pack team, defense. This yep. team's going to go. I, I swear, like what constitutes a run for this team is just the opposite of what you think about normal, right? 
Normally you're like, oh, it's a 10-0 run in two minutes. A run for this team is what Sumter just said is, we gave up eight points in a quarter of basketball. That's how this team goes on runs. They go on defensive runs, and they just slowly bleed you to death on the other end of the court. Stanford, Stanford in the fourth quarter scored seven points. They were up, <laughs> they were up 10 at the start of the third quarter, at, at the end of the third quarter. They scored seven points in the fourth quarter, and I want to say that, that they made one field goal. I want to say that five of them were free throws. It, it might have been, been three and, and two field goals, but, like, it, it was seven total points. And, like, they were beating us all night, in, you, you know, when we played them. And then just all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they don't score until the three-minute mark of the fourth quarter. They went from the start of the fourth quarter to the 332nd, to the three-minute and 30-second mark of the fourth quarter without scoring a point. And, and that's how they, and that's how the women got back into the game. It's what, like a, a lot of times, you, you know, you'll, you'll hear people say that it's a game of runs and that you'll often, you'll have a streaky team where they'll get hot and then just boom, boom, boom. They'll, you know, a three pointer, steal a three pointer, steal in a bucket and bam, there's an eight Oh, run. This team, Kyle, it's what you were saying. It's exactly the opposite. It's a, it's a game of just, we're just going to wear you down all night. And if we don't have it offensively, it just it's it's at some point you're just going to break and we're just going to keep you, you know we're just going to keep getting offensive rebounds and lay them back in god so game, bless god bless the the women's basketball if this team starts making three pointers uh, uh two two things that i want to make sure i don't forget one I, i've been slagging on the offense here so uh i think we said it but definitely cardozo putting up 16 points um changes that game uh one of her yeah. best games i've seen her play and i mean that it just goes back to we got options right when other things aren't working and two um you know bryce i, I know it's not bugging you this week and that's the women shooting free throws <laughs> <laughs> at least at least in the fourth quarter of the ucla game i mean kyle they went at one point in time in the fourth quarter they were nine for ten and they still yeah. shot only like 66 percent <laughs> Hey, and we yeah. try not to mention it. Like, hey, we've made a few in a row. You can't mention it because we'll go on, you know, miss four in a row after that. So you just, it's an unri- unsaid rule not to in, bring it up. Bryce, in our defense, it was Kyle that jinxed it this time on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So, so they made, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know this was possible. They made five out of six free throws in one possession. Like, well, they that, <laughs> that game went from a four point game. So they, that girl fouls on UCLA, then throws the ball, gets teed up. We make those four. Then we get the ball back on the tee and make the fifth free throw. And it was a five-point possession, and all of a sudden the game was over after that. It was. It went from four to nine, and it was a different game in the last minute. Yeah. I, I, feel, I do feel bad for UCLA. I, I, they really fell apart in the last, if, the last two if, minutes. If, if, we were, if we were a UCLA podcast – we would just be devastated, but like, like talking about this, like, like they had, they, they were on the road against the, the undefeated defending champs and uh, the unanimous number one team in the nation. And they had it and just, and they had it for 36, 37 minutes and just couldn't, couldn't bring it off. Them. And they, they, they beat Tennessee by 17. I know Tennessee's not in a great year, but like, that's what got them ranked. That was the only ranked game they played, but like, they're a really good team and they're going to beat a lot of people just on their defense alone. And they were overall solid, but we get the win by nine. And I'm just, 
I'm hoping and praying we don't play them for a few years because they're always in that top five, top 10 recruiting classes with us. And I, I would love just like for Walford for football for that to fall off the schedule and not happen for a while. Bryce, I can't keep track. I can't keep track of um, all of Dawn's like home and homes because there's so many of them against like awesome, awesome teams. But it would not surprise me at all when the 2023-24 schedule rolls out if we're in Los Angeles. So we uh, we have definite home and homes with UConn and Stanford. Those are ongoing forever. Dawn was talking about that. And they usually put a third on there that goes falls on and off between, you know, UCLA, Oregon. We're always playing that third other top 10, 15 team. And Maryland, I think we kind of play Maryland NC State. We kind of play We've them. We've a lot of Maryland in the last few years. That isn't the – I've seen the Gamecocks play three times in the last four weeks. It's been a great time to be a, a Gamecock fan up here in the D.C. area. Now, the D.C. Uh, Gamecock Club up there, that's a pretty good-sized people, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, – I mean, you – I think I was seeing um, – maybe it was uh, New York. Someone had, like, one of those websites. It's kind of like where do people uh, – like, if they leave the state, where do they go? And right. D.C. is maybe third or fourth. You know, Atlanta, Charlotte, but D.C. is pretty high up there, actually, as to where Carolina graduates go. So you saw a lot of Garnet on Wednesday night. Didn't hear a lot of it, but you saw it. Um, and then Saturday as well, still uh, plenty. And then – Obviously, for the Maryland game, um, uh, that was e- of the three games I've been to in the last month. Easily the best crowd we had was uh, for the Maryland game um, in College Park when the women went up there and won. Well, we might have we we, we might have done the, the the women's basketball version of what Kentucky does in the SEC, where like we might have drawn you know Maryland in that Maryland game. Not, I wouldn't go that far. Maryland draws a pretty decent crowd. I think there were maybe eight or nine thousand, but it was probably fifteen hundred, uh, maybe two thousand. Uh, not, not, not quite BBN, uh, but um, you know, uh, it was a good crowd. It was, it was a fun environment. I actually will say, I, I had a lot of fun at that game. Um, not just because of the team, but no, Maryland was good too. Um, kind of like the UCLA game. Um, good team on the other side and uh, Carolina wins. It's good. Night. And, you're, and you're not worried about wasting any money, you know, eight to $10 for a women's game. Cause you know, they're going to beat the crap out of people. They play. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a good, good time to watch uh, Carolina basketball as long as Don Staley's on the court. Well, the Gamecocks beat UCLA by nine and then they route Memphis on Saturday. Um, Cardosa had another big game. Boston got her double, double, but as I like to say, whenever we don't play ranked teams, we're probably going to beat them by 20-plus points, and that's usually what happens. Knock on wood. Yeah, and I, I do think it's in talking about this Memphis game, talking about Cardosa here again, like what a week for Camille Cardosa here. Um, like she was the key in the UCLA game, having another good game against Memphis. And I think one of the things that, that is happening, and like Dawn played her a lot in the UCLA game and she didn't really start tracking until the second half. Like she had a, she had an okay first half. Like she, like I wasn't screaming for her to come out of the game or anything, but she like had it she, where they over the top in the second half was like, they perfected right. it in the second half. And, and, and one of the things, and, and it's just a testament to how big this team is, is that Camilla Cardoso could be the starting center on like, 85, 90% of the college basketball teams, you, you know, of the women's college basketball teams in the country. And maybe that's high, but I don't, I don't necessarily think so. And, um, and one of the things that, that she, that Dawn did, and it ended up being very effective is that 
She just puts her in there with Boston. When Boston's getting these double teams, they throw the ball and, and just let her post up the, the, the team's second or third best big. Best big. And she's learned that she can just own them and just, and just you know, they, they throw it over the top. She's taller than anybody that's guarding them because the Cameron Brinks of the world are guarding Boston. And she just then lays it in. You know, it's it's been it's become a nice formula that I think is I think she's going to have a very fun SEC season and will be probably one of like will will be our leading scorer off the bench down the stretch. It's nice having height. You know, when we had we played Mississippi State, um, Vivian's not Vivian's. I forgot the tall girl in Mississippi State who was six seven, six eight. And then when we played Baylor with Griner. That it's nice to have the tallest girl on the court and just lob the ball up to her and yeah. she puts it right up like a what foot away. If you can keep doing that, I mean, height matters in women's basketball. Especially when the tallest when the tallest player on the court has Aaliyah Boston playing, you know, is playing off of Aaliyah Boston. That's you know, right. Like- <laughs> you can't double team both of them. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, the women get the win. Um I don't see them losing in the month of December. We don't play UConn, then I believe until February, so that will be an interesting game. But uh, they have liberty. the weird home and homes. We're going back to South Dakota State. Yeah, well, we, we like playing in the Dakotas for some reason. We, we we do have that, and they and they have fallen out of the AP poll, but they were getting some votes. So, like if if you did the thing where you just ranked everybody that got a vote for the top twenty-five, they'd probably be like twenty-eighth or 29th, something like that. Um, but the, the other thing about this season is that normally the SEC in the last like in, 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 in basically Don Staley's rise here, um, the, the last five to 10 years, the SEC has been one of the premier women's basketball conferences in the, in the country. It's kind of a down year. I, last, last time I looked at the poll, I think only two of them were ranked. I think we only have two teams. Tennessee has fallen out, and LSU has kind of jumped up. You know, they got Mulkey, the Baylor coach that came over there, and in two seasons they've had top five recruiting classes, and I think they have the number one going in for next year. Um, They're going to be a force in the league. I think Tennessee you might see drop off a little bit, but LSU is going to be that team this year. Like we used to have Mississippi State used to be that team a few years back. They're going to be the team that challenges us for first in the league. But anyway, we got uh, Liberty coming up for the women on Sunday, and the men, they have Presbyterian on Sunday. It's exam week, so they get a few days. And for the men, it's good for them to have some days to heal a few of those ankles and actually get back to full health. Um, but two games coming up for our one on each for the men and the women on next Sunday. This is actually – this could be a little fun. We got, what, a 2 o'clock and a 6 o'clock? You feeling a little uh, – you feel a little early, late lunch, early dinner there at Thirsty Fellow Bryce? Ooh, if they can bring that chili back on the menu. I'm tired of places get taking the chili off the menu. Does that make me sound like a 40-year-old old it does. man? It does. That I like the chili that's on the menus that people, they just keep taking it off the menu. Maybe you should call ahead and see if they'll make it for you. Okay. You order it on the menu, Bruce? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then when you ask for ranch at the Thirsty Fellow near the, the, uh, the stadium, Coliseum, they give you like a bowl of ranch at Thirsty Fellow. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you remember Bryce, that. If it's been a while, but uh, Bryce, you sound like an old man when you're calling it the Coliseum instead of the Colonial Life. Oh. That, that's what's aging you, my man. My my dad would appreciate it. 
Anyway, uh, we'll we'll be uh, back next Sunday for a uh, pod. Um, but uh, anything left, uh, Kyle, with your first uh, um, your first pod with us? Any other thoughts to leave us with us? It was an honor. Ooh, an honor. Will you come back? Will you show back up for another pod? Just uh, name the time and place, boys. All right. Sumter, anything else for, before we cut it off this week? That's all I got. This was fun. Uh, ultimately, a good week. And I'm, could have been a really – this the, the Georgetown game, like the fact they were able to pull that out, like this could have been a really bleak podcast if we ended up – there's a way that game could have gone where we lost by 20. And this would have not been a fun. A fun but we're podcast. the 12th luckiest team in men's college basketball. And and it, and it looks like if we want to like have a really successful season, we need to pull that up to like three or four. Uh, if we lose that game, I, I was going to sit here and uh, spend an hour haranguing you guys that uh, this needs to be the GWBO uh, podcast. <laughs> or at least you guys switch the order until they earn yeah. the right to go first. If, if we had lost this game, if we had lost the Georgetown game, we would have uh, we would have left UCLA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for joining us this week, guys. You'll see us back next week. Go Cox. GBO out.